Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hagan. I'm working at- an Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Well, welcome everybody to Thanksgiving week. Chuck Bonneville, Julie Hayden, Chuck and Julie Grassroots Show. Too straight up. That's right. The show brought to you by Mountain West Wellness, Advanced Acupuncture, and Chinese Medicine. And you just had an appointment with Dr. Jack Schaefer, too. So Yeah, that, that, feeling great. He felt great, and he shot a very good score on the golf course yesterday, too. Not a so. very good score, but we won't well. tell you what it was. <laughs> well, better than usual. Yeah, well, that's sad, but yes. <laughs> hey, so hopefully today we're going to have Ken Raposa. Oh, we do He's here. Coming up. Um, before, and after that, I want to talk a little bit about the judge's decision to keep Trump on the ballot, even though she called him an insurrectionist. But Ken is an industry analyst for the Coalition for a Prosperous America, former Wall Street Journal correspondent, senior contributor to Forbes covering China. Ken, hey, thank you for your time. Appreciate it on this Monday afternoon. Oh, thanks for on. Sorry, I missed you guys last time. Don't know what happened. Yeah, there. I was going to mix up. China yeah, box or okay. up to no good or something. Who knows? I think it's a well, CIA. You, you economists are all... <laughs> oh, you're all the rage now. Are you thinking about running for president of the United States? Possibly? Never. After uh, <laughs> Javier Mele's victory, he just appeared in a couple of TV shows, and boom, he was he's, he got elected by by twelve points. I mean, just amazing. Yeah, what, I, I can't, I can't, I can't be that bombastic. I don't know why. I, I wish I had that in me. I mean, I, I can, but then it just it just feels like theater sometimes, you know. Then you get sort of caught up in being that character. You get you get typecast. You can never go. Well, right, maybe right. I thought I was wrong about it. Can't yes. do it anymore. <laughs> well, no going back. Well, I, I want to talk to him first about this this election and his. He is an anacro a, a, a capitalist, a libertarian, mm-hmm. Trumpist. Mm-hmm. Uh, get rid of the central bank, replace the peso, urgent peso with the dollar. Uh, take a chainsaw to huge parts of the government. Um, I'm not sure there's ever been a person who's been elected <laughs> with with that program. No, I don't think there's – well, there's no one that's been elected with that program in Argentina as far as I know and since I've been – as long as I've been covering the emerging markets. Um, but, you know, as far as the storyline goes, it's going to be what you would expect, right? The likes of The Guardian, the BBC, and the AP, and the NPR, right. and the New York Times yeah. will all cry. And he's the Bolsonaro – Jair Bolsonaro, the president of Brazil – who was deposed by uh, President Lula. This is his third term, essentially. He wasn't you know, they'll deposed, be crying about he's he a crazy man. He got cheated in the yeah, election. He'll, he'll, <laughs> yeah, perhaps. And so, you know, they'll be crying about he's the, he, he's the new tropical Trump, blah, blah, blah. The, the whole thing. You could just get a, 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 you could program a bot, an algorithm that would, that would could write the content, uh, you know, as, equally as good as what you would imagine that they'd be saying about, about him. As far as him getting away with what he says you're going to do, close the central bank, uh, close the Ministry of Tourism or the Ministry of, uh, you know, Economic Development and so on. You know that he's not a dictator, right? He's not a dictator, so he has a, he has a cabinet to appoint, and he has you know, a, a parliament that's going to say yes or no to those things. So, you know, well, he, in Argentina, better, they do have economy, a, not they, doing those things. They do have emergency powers, pretty extensive per, emergency powers for presidents. He could declare emergency and and get with them. Well, he wants to get first. First, he wants to get rid of all the media 
of public media companies, uh, which he says are just propaganda arms, and I'm sure they are. Yep, they are. I think the main thing that people have to take away from, the, from these things, right, is that the established powers, right, are despised. No matter where you yeah. are in the world, the, the established political leaders, the established political parties are despised. And this is a case we've seen, again, with the Peronistas, who are a massive power system in, in Argentina. They've run it forever. It's, it's, you know, the myth, the legend of Evita and all that. It still exists. It's very strong in Argentina. And so they, they've been deposed. And so, you know, and we see this time and time again across the, across the world, you know. So um, that's, I think, is the biggest takeaway there. Whether or not he succeeds, again, you know, it's, it's not a dictatorship. He can't just wave a magic wand and say this is what's going to happen. So he can only do so much. He's not... He's not a one-man gang. So the story, I think, the real takeaway is that, once again, we're seeing the established powers of the world, no matter where you are, that are just despised by the people. They have failed. They're despised. And, you know, whether, you, whether this guy is good or not, that's not the point. The point is that the people are saying, you guys, the elite, the established powers that have been here forever are failing, and we want you out no, that's well. I tie that into what we wanted to talk to you about too. Well, let me, fin- let me fin- yeah, let me okay. finish this up. I mean, he he's a big fan of the Austrian school of economics. Um, are you an, are you a, a proponent or a, a neutral or don't like Austrian school of economics? Uh, I, I, well, I'm going to have to def- I'm going to have to default on that one because I used to know what that was, but I I've, I'm away. From, I haven't thought about the Austrian school for a long time, so I don't I don't I, even remember. Exactly Hi. what it was. So, pass. Hi. Next yeah, question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things, like, and, and I think all of this does tie together when you talk about what's going on in the world economic situation. You had a recent column up, up, up about the trade deficit and the goods gap, you said, set to topple a trillion dollars again this year. And it's one of those things that people hear that, and these are numbers that are so astronomical, it's, it's almost meaningless. And yet it's not meaningless, right? I think that was sort of your point. There's significant and not good meaning behind all of this. Well, let's put that number into perspective, right? So a trillion dollars, what, what does that mean, right? That means that, you know, let, let's make it simple. So uh, let's say the U.S. exports $3 billion worth of goods, widgets that we make, um, and we import, uh, you know, $4 trillion, so minus, minus one, right? So you get, you get one trillion. So that one trillion, you could say, if you, ch- if you took 20% of that, right, 20% of a trillion is $200 million, right? That's $200 billion. What would the U.S. economy look like if it had an injection of $200 billion? That's only 20%. So that's saying you're all, instead of importing 100%, right, the $1 trillion, instead of importing 100%, you're, just in, you're importing a little bit less. You got, you're importing maybe you know 20% less. So you're making 20% more of those widgets combined in the United States, right? So it's, it's better if you're manufacturing, making things in the United States because you're employing people at good-paying jobs. You have uh, an industrial center in the United States that's not totally dependent on China increasingly or Mexico or Vietnam. And so those are, those are good things. That's good for the country. But you don't have that because you have, again, we talked about the elite at the beginning of this conversation. You have people who are the titans of industry, the masses of the universe, as it used to be called in the 80s and 90s, the types that will stand at the Hyde Park Hotel at I think it's the, I forget the name of the hotel. Whatever the hotel was in San Francisco during the APEC conference, who give standing ovations to Xi Jinping, and you know yeah. these guys praise when Xi Jinping says stuff like, "Can't we all get along? Can't we hug it out?" And those guys cheer because they're globalists and they 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 do want to hug it out. And what they want to do is they want to make every little thing 
in China and just import it here. And they want to, you know, turn China into what they believe would be the replacement of the United States, not in terms of a world power, but in terms of an economic power. You know, yeah. it's eight, you know, 800 million consumers in there. Yeah, there's one point something billion people, but most of them, you know, a lot of them are babies and they don't they don't buy anything but food, right, and diapers. So, and, and even that, you know, they want they want to be a part of it. They want to invest in the diaper factory, whatever it may be. You know, they, that's the market they want to be in. Years ago, you've heard of this. You know, if it plays in Peoria, right, those those days are gone, right. So those guys, it's if it plays in Shanghai, if it plays in Guangzhou. So, the, if you, those guys got their way, China would be, you know, China would, you know, be be. A, a massive power bigger than what it is today and the united states would just be continually on, on the decline and the symbol of that d- decline is the massive trade gap that you have there's a massive imbalance of trade between the united states and china and, and you know, i with the rest of the world the same could be said about europe the european union we have a massive trade gap with the european union so you can't say a lot of people say well china it's easy to buy stuff from china because china's you know low income and they, they make things at a lower price. So, of course, we're going to get things from China. Look at, look at all the stuff in the dollar store. Look at all the stuff at Lowe's. Well, our, our trade gap with Europe is, you know, I think number two, you know, behind China or number, or number three. And Europe's certainly not poor. Right. What about one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, is that once again, we're coming up with the, the whole climate agenda. People are all getting right. I think they're meeting in Dubai it was someplace weird they were going to meet. I'm like, Johan. oh, okay. It's like, that's, that's it. But, but how, when you look and that's at in Dubai, I was going to say, that seems like a weird place to hold since given all the oil and they don't want oil or anything like that. But looking at what's going on in terms of this whole green movement, you see in Europe there, you know, I think what the UK pulled back and they're like, okay, we don't have to have all EVs until 2035 instead of like next year or whenever ridiculous they were going to do it. I mean, as the, as the economic impact of some of these green new deal policies, are being felt by people. They're getting pushed back. And how do you see, but like you said, the global elites of billionaires, they don't care. They, they, they want this because it benefits them. How do you see that maybe playing out? Okay, so this, books will be written about this and will be uh, continually for the next few years. But I'll, I'll say it in soundbite form is that, you know, as far as the, the climate change industry, right, because there is an industry. So forget, forget the fact whether or not the poles are warming and all the other stuff but there's an industry around it right and it is we're going to erase the old auto industry which is one of the biggest industries in the world right when you look at all things that are sold across the planet cars are like number two or number three after like maybe oil and electronic circuits okay we're going to destroy that and we're going to build an entire auto industry as if we're henry ford making the model t and we're going to start from zero okay so in their mind it's like we got a saturated Traditional car market, totally saturated. The Chinese aren't out there buying three cars anymore, right? Like the Americans were. Those days are done. So let's erase all that, wipe it out, and let's build all new cars so we can keep this market going. Of course, that's, that's, I think, part of their, part of their mindset. We have this with other areas in the, in the industrial powers as well. Like, um, you know, things like fuel, for example, right? We don't want to use oil and gas. We're going to do a new fuel. So we're going to make more solar panels or we're going to make more windmills or we're going to do whatever else. Long life batteries. It's a whole new industry that's created through this climate change policy. That's that's one thing in terms of what those guys think about the venture capitalists and, and Wall Street. That's how they do it, right? They're not worried okay. so much about the whether the poles are warming or not. They're looking at it in, through that lens, okay? The other thing that I would say about the climate change story is that for years, China has taken a cue from Brussels and Washington on their panic attack over climate and said, yes, we agree the climate is changing and 
the planet is melting, right? Remember this summer? The planet was melting. Yeah. It was a big, we're having a, I forgot what the UN guy said, but it, it, the planet was melting. And we're going to be the guys that make all your electric cars, all your electric <laughs> car batteries. We're going to be the guys to make all your solar panels. We're going to be the guys to make all your windmills. And that's what's happening. That's yeah. what's happening. China has plagued them like a fiddle. And so the West really doesn't have anything. I mean, we have Tesla. At least we, at least, we at least have Tesla. So they make Tesla batteries, even though Tesla's pretty dependent on Panasonic, which is a Japanese company. But other than that, there's no such thing as, other than Tesla, there's no such thing as, as an American EV battery maker. And you don't have a EV without a battery. So in China's the top five. Of the top ten, China dominates the top five, you know, so with Japan and South Korea being, being the rest. There is no Mercedes-Benz EV battery. It doesn't right. exist. You know, they're totally dependent on Asia. So, you know, this is a market that there's no such thing as a, as a, as a you know, a German solar panel maker, at least not in the top 10, not right. nowhere near it. It's all Chinese, almost all Chinese. So, well, you know, these are industries that China has dominated. So we're handing them more stuff. Well, yeah, well, well, luckily we're we're limiting our oil and gas production. Um, <laughs> so you can buy it from Iran. Yeah, well, yeah, I can buy it from Russia and stuff. So luckily we're limiting that uh, down to the lowest level we can possibly get to, which is great because Europe has a huge need for it, but we don't want to supply that either. Um, is it just masochism? I mean, you know, I mean, stupidity it, or just masochism? they think we're stupid? We are stupid. Well, I mean, okay, and so in the West, again, in the West, right? How how they view it, right? So so there's a lot of moving things, right? Whenever you're trying to examine, you know, or analyze human systems, right? It's very difficult because there's so many moving parts, and people or institutions that you think are not on your side or the bad guys, all of a sudden they flip really quick and they they change they change their mind. So let's look at something like uh, China, right? Which is all the talk all the time. So Vanguard is a huge Wall Street firm. Second, probably only to BlackRock in terms of asset right. under management. Well, guess what? You know, the company I work for, Coalition for Prosperous America, did a big report on how they're investing in Chinese defense contractors and subsidiaries, even of subsidiaries, subsidiaries of companies that are off limits to invest in. They're still there. And so they've been forced to sell some stocks over the years, like last year they did. They, I don't know if they've sold any recently uh, that was mentioned in this report. But they did decide recently that they're leaving China. So J.P. Morgan is there. Goldman Sachs is there. BlackRock, they all have offices in China that sell securities to the Chinese population. And Vanguard is out. So, I mean, you know, you would never think that. You don't think a biggest Wall Street company has left the Chinese market, decided it's not going to sell securities to the mainland Chinese for their retirement and, and whatever. They're not going to do that. That's, that's amazing. So, you know, a lot of things can happen. And as far as the normal, usual suspects in the West, again, they want to weaken the traditional fossil fuel industry, and they want everybody to go, you know, post, they want to create a post-fossil fuel world. They want to start from scratch. You know, they're building an entire new industry, and that's what gets, that's what gets a lot of these investors excited. You know, like I, years ago, I used to go for Forbes, I used to go to Schroeder's uh, Investment Bank in London, and this is what they were talking about all the time. They, they love this stuff. Well, and particularly when you have the government forcing it on people, that makes it even easier, right? It doesn't, you know, you know never makes, mind. That makes them the, love it even more. Right. Because that it's then, and then they Well, how does, if, given the fact that, as you said, I mean, I think China has computer chips. China takes care of China economy, I'm told, is, and I'm never sure exactly why, but it's struggling. It's the real estate well, stuff, too. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is. It's birth rate or it's something mm-hmm. else. It, it's, it itself is struggling a great deal. Do, what do you say about those? Facts. 
Right. So China's economy is not going to be the 8%, 10% GDP growth that it's been in the early 2000s. And that's mainly for a few reasons. One, the China growth story that we know, right, from the early 2000s onward is about a country that came from being a dollar to $2 a day, happy meals, toy making and Christmas lights making economy, right, to right. what it is today, which is more of like almost Western, right? They're making, they have a lot of automation. They they are some of the leading biopharmaceutical companies in the world are located there. They own TikTok. They invent TikTok. Show me, yeah. show me the French app you have on your phone. Show me the German app you have on your phone. You don't. Yeah. You don't have it. It's Chinese. It's Chinese guys are on there. So it's totally different. And these things are, you know, don't require as many workers that were required to make, let's say, a iPhone, right? Okay. So, so the economy has changed. And of course, you had in the last few years, you had COVID with. Xi Jinping and the Communist Party's ridiculous zero COVID policy where everybody had to hide away from the magic virus. So, you know, these are all things that really hindered China. And let's not forget, as far as like the real estate market goes, you know, that's always been China's, uh, you know, savings account, right? The Chinese people, the middle class in China, they can't just say, oh, I'm going to go, I have all my money in Chinese stocks and bonds. I want to go invest in some Japanese stocks and bonds. I'm going to go yeah. invest in Apple. Can't. They can't do that. So they diversify into, into real estate, you know, so that, you know, you know, that's one of the reasons why that, that whole market gets get saturated and Beijing becomes, you know, as unaffordable as, as let's say, New York City, um, even though it would be considered, quote, a third world city, you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, this is um, this is the main problem with, with China. And, of course, you know, really knowing what's happening in the economy is it's never easy because, you know, China, China is increasingly a black box in terms of its economic data, too. What about in terms of like the influence that China has? So it sounds like they pretty much control, manufacture all kinds of like really, really important things for us. In this country, it sort of is, well, I think sometimes the, the rich people bribe the politicians and then they create their industries. But, but I mean, what is, to me, a big question would be, I mean, China, uh, you know, has, what what is it, their road? Belt and road. Project. Belt and road. Project. Belt and I mean, road. Right. And so, I mean, what is preventing in the United States, there's a certain amount of supply and demand, I think, that we're used to the kind of control thing. But what is, if anything, preventing China from suddenly saying, oh, guess what, everybody, computer chips, solar panels, EV batteries, all of that now costs like a bazillion dollars. I mean, well, is there oh, anything? Uh, nothing. Okay. Nothing. <laughs> well, they, one, one thing is they don't want to lose the market, but how, how they... How they often do it and how they have done it in the past is they don't say, well, guess what? You know, the, this widget used to cost $10. Now it costs a hundred. What they usually do is they say this widget used to cost 10. Now it costs one. That's what they usually do because this way, now if you're a Brazilian company or an Indonesian right, company right. or God forbid an American company and, yeah. and it costs you $5 just to make it. You're out. You're done. You're out of the market. So China just China just said, we don't care. We'll take away your market. We'll make it for one. But we just gained $100 million a year from your market. That just died. We just killed. Oh. Right. Oh, well, that's. Which is classic capitalism. You undercut <laughs> your thing and then you raise your price once you get. Well, it's, I, well not really, because not really, though, uh, Chuck, right? Because they're not they're not concerned about profit in, in many ways in that case. You see what I'm saying? They're not worried about whether or not they're making money. They're worried about that they have the market share. So they can make sure that the 800 million, you know, eligible workers in China are employed. Sure. Right. What about then when you, you know, going back, like you said, to the the apex meeting where they had you had all the, the global elites and everything meeting with China. 
How does, I mean, does is China playing them or are they playing China or is it a situation right now where it's mutually beneficial and will it always stay that way or what are they risking or risking of us, okay. I guess? Well, it's, it's both. It's both, right? China definitely plays them, but I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if I'd say they were played that, that they're manipulating them. You know, China goes there and they say, as, as China always says with the, with the American business community is this, we are here for business. We're here to make money. You want to make money? We want to make money. We got a big market, come to our market. So they capture, they can coerce, right? So it's like me saying to you, you know, I'll do this for you, but you got to do this for me, right? You got, it's, 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 and China has this lure of their big, beautiful market that Silicon Valley wants. And, you know, Facebook and Google to this day are probably salivating about one day being able to be in mainland China. I mean, it'll be, can you imagine if all of a sudden every Chinese can like, you know, be on Facebook. I mean, geez, it would just be, it would be, be huge for them. If they had 2% of that market, you're looking at, you know, a million people all of a sudden signed up for Facebook. So, you know, this, this, these are things that they want. They want that market. And there was a saying that what China does often in the CCP strategy, the Chinese Communist Party strategy is that they lure you in, right? Like fishing, like they lure you in and then they just, you know, then they pull, they pull back on that pole and, and they got you. So, as far as the Silicon Valley guys go and, and the captains of industry that of California that were meeting with Xi Jinping last week, is you know, if you're someone like like Elon Musk, again, you're thinking about this in pure political um, pure economic terms. I have right. I have a Tesla factory in, in, in Shanghai. I don't want that to be taken over. I don't want China, you know, to I don't want guys in my factory to steal my IP. I want to be, make sure people in the high ups of the CCP know me and they're going to stick up for me in the courts if push came to shove. I don't want to be their enemy. If you're Apple, you know, oh, well, Huawei now has a new operating system that might get bigger. Huawei now has a new phone. What if Huawei one day is the first one to make the hologram phone and I'm not that guy? Am I Apple's? sales going to go to zero because that's my number two market after the United States. And guess what? No other country is going to fill China's shoes. So I want to be their best friend. So, you know, this is how, this is how they think. And that's only how they think. They're not thinking about, I love China more than the United States or, you know, I, I, but they don't, but they want to make sure that trade isn't disrupted. They want to make sure that the politics is clean and nice. They don't want, they don't want disruption, you know, because right. that hurts, that hurts them. Cause of course China could just say, okay, and, and I think they've done this already. If you're a member of the CCP or if you work for the Beijing government, you can't have an iPhone. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's well, say it's everybody. Can that. Have, yeah. Yeah. And they mean it. I'm like, I just have a couple more questions because I know we have to let you go. But what about this? Because it's ongoing, this debate about TikTok, right? And so we have a 12-year-old son who basically lives on TikTok and knows anything. You know, the, the other day, he wanted to, all of a sudden out of the blue, he wanted to have top ramen with a soft-boiled egg and he had the recipe. And I'm like, what? Where'd you get this? And he's like, TikTok. TikTok. Um, so all these politicians. Except I kind of feel he's in better hands with the Chinese communists and TikTok than he is with the Zuckerberg with the Zuckerbergs and everybody else and Facebook and, and all that. I mean, my God, it, you know, it's everything is comparative and comparatively they're not as sick and degenerative as Facebook. Yeah, there are, but, but my question is, is well, to me, I think, do you, I think no way are the Americans going to be American politicians going to be able to get rid of TikTok. I mean, unless they go around and grab every 12 year old and take their phone. But what is, China really doing? I mean, is it just sort of like a giant, super giant Twitter and they want to make money on it? Or are they evil and they want to take over our 12-year-old minds? Or what do you see with that? They already have them. They already have them, yeah. 
Okay, so I would say this. So TikTok is owned by a company called ByteDance. One of the biggest investors is Sequoia, Sequoia Capital, which is now split up into Sequoia Capital China. So Sequoia Capital Silicon Valley now has, you know, their China branch is now just called something different. Well, it's going to be called something different next year. Um, you know, they're interested in making money. So how do you make money on TikTok? Because I don't think anybody pays for TikTok. So what they do is they collect a lot of data, right? They collect a lot of data on people. Just no different than the way Twitter makes makes money, right. or Facebook makes money, right? Now, of course, ByteDance being a Chinese company, right? That if you're a Chinese company, then, you know, if you, look, if you believe the FBI, right? <laughs> and the D- Democratic Party manipulated and talked to and pretty much owned Twitter, at one point before Elon right. Musk took it away. If you even remotely believe that, then imagine what the CCP does at TikTok. Okay. So if I want, if I want to, and, and I'm talking, I'm talking about a Democrat free peace and love society like the United States is supposed to be. So if you believe <laughs> that the FBI did that to Twitter, imagine the CCP and TikTok. So, so there's tons of things that the, that the Chinese government could do. They could, you know, send all kinds of messages through, you know, TikTok to, you know, just, poison the minds of Americans or, you know, make them think a certain way about politics. Make them think there's more than two sexes. Next year, and, Trump yeah. will be the worst thing in the world on on TikTok. You know, next year it'll be like Trump is terrible and that'll be <laughs> 90% of the messages on TikTok. You know? Okay. Well, that is it. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get rid of it, though, but we'll see. Well, let me... I, tr- I said I trust them more than I do Zuckerberg. Can we people you've been great and i just so appreciate i love talking to you because we could just throw anything at you and you're like boy no everything about it other than the austrian school of economics <laughs> yeah sorry i'll have to brush up on that one no, no. <laughs> where can people find you and read more of your columns and get more information all right so find me primarily at prosperousamerica.org at the moment and then on twitter you could find me at brick breaker or x now it's called x you can find me at brick breaker b-r-i-c and then breaker all right. All, All right. right. All right. You've been great. Thanks, Thanks so, so much. much. Appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. Have yeah. a great week. Yes, Chuck and Julian, all your listeners, have a great Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. All right. All right. There. Kenneth Raposa there with the Coalition for Prosperous America. I'll, I think I do follow him on Facebook. We've got a ton of, of comments here. Oh, Dr. Don is saying the recipe sounds good. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe she should open up a t- on TikTok. I can just keep you guys posted. Leo says, good guest. Yes, he is, he is great. He is great. Well, we want to, so I think first, and we'll get we'll kind of close the show on the happy Argentine uh, Argentina election, right? Because we've got some sound with that guy. But we'll have a little bit talk about because I I have to admit I was wrong. I predicted were, no, no, Julie. I know. No, no, <laughs> it's hard to believe that would be ever true. It, you it, must be mistaken about being mistaken. Yeah, all the media reports it's fake news. No, I predicted that the Denver judge would go ahead and keep Trump off of the ballot, and she did not. She ruled. I think that she could not. It was like a hundred two page ruling like this page which said okay he could be at the ballot and the next 101 pages talked about how there was an insurrection and he was an insurrectionist Mm -hmm. even though he hasn't ever been charged with anything like that no problem and i think that there is some there are some people um who believe and i think there's some truth to this that that this can be used then right because now you have sort of a legal ruling even though it's made up of nothing, saying that Trump is an insurrectionist and that Sandra there was... I want you to sing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Yeah. Don't cry for, for me, me, Argentina. <laughs> the truth is I never left you. That's all I know. And then we'll stop there. Pretty but it, and there Pretty we go. Um, but anyway, so, I, I mean, and I don't know, you're the lawyer 
how much can that be used? I mean, people can wander around quoting it, right? Now, Liz Cheney can say, well, Trump has been declared legally an insurrectionist, just like you were one day in court declared a good guy, um, which that's hasn't, right. we haven't been able to monetize that. But at any rate- it should, though. Um, By the state. That's the right. The state acknowledged <laughs> me as a as a good guy. <laughs> but what- While trying to convict me of a DUI, but they failed. <laughs> what- um. Talk about, though, in terms of this ruling, because we were talking earlier and it you, matter, you it matters, didn't see. It matters nothing except whatever import you want to give to it. I mean, it's it's uh, uh, if you like the intellectual vigor uh, that she's produced and that she proved that that a bunch of wandering people with polls are, is an insurrection, then, you know, it. it who cares? Right. Um, now, if you want to be able to say it's been found in Colorado or you could found in other places, you know, you could probably, if they did enough opinions, try to get one from a conservative judge and say there wasn't an insurrection. I mean, it's only as good Lawfare. as Lawfare. Yeah. It's, um, now, do you think Jenna Griswold on the one hand says they're going to appeal? I wonder if, well, I think they will appeal at least for a little while because they want to just keep Trump and his money and his lawyers tied up. Right. But I don't know that they actually want a Supreme court ruling on this. Do you think? Sure. You, do? you think yeah. they'll go all the way up? Okay. Well, they they gotta they've gotta get they gotta get one in which they says he can't be on the ballot before the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court. I can wonder if they couldn't get it in Denver. They couldn't get it in Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire. So oh yeah, but there'll be some dip some with judge. judge will do it. But it was interesting. So Kosh Patel, who was a witness here, was pointing out that in in the Denver case, mm-hmm. right? Um, um, former aide to Nunez, he was a what? He was a staff chief of staff for the undersecretary of defense or and he was in the Trump administration. Um, and he, he said she didn't want to hear any of the stuff that he had to say about what actually not. happened that day. But he was on Steve Bannon. I think his point is good. It's like, don't don't just assume, yeah, the Denver judge said Trump could be on the ballot. Now everyone move on. Right. He's like, no, no, no. This is far from over. If we could please, Thomas, play the Kosh Patel soundbite. This judge, a government gangster wearing a black robe, I call her the female version of Adam Schiff, Mrs. Schiff goes to Washington, just released her memo so that she could be lauded by the government grundoons and the radical left-wing media. She set up the disinformation campaign on the narrative that Donald Trump committed a quote-unquote insurrection even though special counsel Jack Smith has refused to charge Donald Trump with the crime of insurrection. This judge went further than Jack Smith was even to go about with her lies. And I think what's even, so that's good. So people see that. And I think what's interesting, kind of tying along with that, is that that, um, Johnson released to everybody the tapes. Right. The January 6th, some 44,000 hours of some of the January 6th videotapes, which we saw, I think, sort of a a touch of that from Tucker Carlson, where he showed that, you know, yes, Liz Cheney, they showed all these edited and added audio, you know, videotapes of the the insurrection. And you got to wonder how many of these people were police officers. Right. And some of that is not coming. And I want to now narrate this for the folks who, who are just listening and not watching it. But we've got a couple of just clips that have come out because citizen journalists are going through this stuff. And here's so we could play January 6th, number one. This is this is something that the uh, Liz Cheney and the January 6th committee did not want everyone to see. If we could please play January 6th, number one. So what you're seeing here, you've got one, two, three, five cops, six cops standing there in the Capitol and seven, that one just walked in and he's clearing the way, eight, right? The cops are leading 
the people in carrying their flags. Oh my God, what people, an insurrection. People, Look at them. people are waving. Now there are two cops, they're having some sort of animated discussion, but they're not even watching the people coming in. Oh, these right? are in the, Oh man, look at these armed insurrectionists. And s- single file. Right. There's another cop, nine cops now standing around. Now, if you were those people and the cops are leading you in. Right. And the cops are standing there, not even paying attention to you as you're walking in. You're an interaction. Look at them. Look at them. They're wild. They're going crazy. I mean, and it just goes on and on and on. Right. Then they're waving at the cops, you know, and the cops are just kind of standing there, shuffling their feet. I mean, and, and like I said, clear insurrection, clear insurrection. The, that goes the, on judge, on. The, the Denver judge saw that and saw for what it was a, a violent, incited riot. Right. Uh, they're leading and late. Thank God those guys have the official dog whistle when Trump says, you know, uh, protest uh, peacefully and stuff. That means kill. Right. Uh, you have to just know the, the magic words like peaceful means kill. It's kind of an Orwellian deal. Exactly. And you look at the cops who testified are there who are crying and sobbing and or something. Oh, uh, cops and you look at that video. So he saw a total of nine police officers, three of them walking in with the people, leading them, and it breaks. They're not turning oh, around and saying no. The other people they wave at them and they're just having this discussion, but they're not even looking at the people. Well, they're they're fearful alive. Yeah. Thing. Are we going to get out of here alive? It's ridiculous. Are we going to make you know, it alive? Has a point. There was a fellow in a red sweatshirt ended up committing suicide after being charged. That's right. Yeah. And they show he wasn't doing anything at all. Um, from Jim. Wow, was that insurrection one hundred and one? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Doctor Donna says he was only going to get a minor charge in jail time. Then they came back and told them nine years. Um, I mean, it's. I mean, you're right. Some of those people are getting lengthy periods of, of jail oh, time, right? Years, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's. It's an insanity, right? I want to play another one because this is interesting too. Every time they talk to Christopher Ray about undercover agents and informants there, I mean, they've admitted that there are like lots of them. One of the reasons they didn't want to show the video is because there were so many of them that that, that they would be. I mean, clearly they were there. Um, There was another tape and I didn't have time to pull it where they show it's a guy who apparently turns out to be an FBI informant or an agent is using a hammer trying to break a window at the Capitol. And the Trump supporters are trying to stop him <laughs> from breaking the window. But I want to play this videotape. And again, I'll, I'll kind of narrate it for folks who are listening. If we could please play January 6th, number two. So what you see here is a guy in handcuffs, right, wearing a helmet. And the cops bend him over and they're, they're taking his handcuffs off. It's calm. It's peaceful. I mean, he's, he's one of the protesters, apparently, allegedly, right? So now they've taken his handcuffs off. And what does he do? He fist bumps the cop, right? They fist bump each other and they take the handcuffs off and like, okay. Let me guess he wasn't charged. Right. I I mean, and then they talk for a little while and they say, hey, all right, see you later, bud. Okay. Okay. See you later. All right. Bye. 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 And they kind of wave at him and he walks off and then they just kind of talk amongst themselves. Now, I can't tell you what I believe that is. That was an undercover agent or um, perhaps an informant, right? Because I've seen that happen many times when you have drug cases, things like that, they right? They arrest everybody. And they arrest everybody. And there's an informant in there, the police informant. Well, they don't want everyone to know he's the informant, right? right, if, they, right. if they don't come up to him during the arrest and say, hey, good job, informant, yeah. right? No, they arrest him with everybody else. They take him off to a quiet corner and then they unarrest him. Right. So, I mean, you know, you don't see. So why is this January 6th? 
protester mm. being unhandcuffed. So that was just one that they got, right? I mean, of, can, can you imagine out of all of them? Um, and this is from Leo Jim, they would have gotten an F for insurrection 101. <laughs> and Sandra says FBI agent. Um, and let's see. And then Sandra, I forgot his name. Now I spent most of the day listening to audio on different subjects, mostly health and political ties. Okay. She's working on a show, uh, working on what's going on in Denver too. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so I think that's just some clear evidence that, that there were FBI agents and um, other informants. Maybe they're CIA, maybe they're, you know, or just state police. Or maybe maybe they're proud boy guys who were infiltrated, right? right? And, I mean, but so again, that one of the reasons they didn't want that is this whole insurrection narrative, which I think people are kind of over anyway, is falling apart. Right. Oops, we're lagging there a little bit. It's falling apart. Well, they'll, they'll and try to keep it. They're keeping it going. Liz Cheney, they'll, right. they'll trot out Liz Cheney and, and she'll attack anybody and say that, that they're, they're uh, are a threat to our democracy and, and whatever. It becomes harder and harder to keep Trump off the ballot and persecute him for being an insurrectionist when there wasn't an insurrection. Right. No, I mean, well, the, right. Theoretically, theoretically, it's hard right. to do that. Yeah. Oh, he wasn't an agent of Russia. Oh, well, okay. and, now, and then just to jump over. So this is going on like right now at the state capitol. So as you know, the Democrats, uh, the governor called a special session since all the voters said, we don't want you to keep our Tabor refunds and we want you to lower property taxes. So they've convened a special session, as far as I can tell, in which the Democrats are finding tricky ways to keep the Tabor refunds and not earn, really give us a tax. income credit, which is another way of saying welfare, increased welfare to people making small amounts. Well, how does that help? Help people or property. Oh, who knows? It, yeah, you know, no, they're they're money, gonna money, money. They're even though people have clearly voted against fiddling around with oh, the taper, they're gonna it. do that. But in the meantime, though, the house the house gallery was closed down because now this sounds like an insurrection. A bunch of pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas people came in, and they've been doing this all all weekend no, and all week, shouting from the gallery and drowning it out. Those are extreme MAGA supporters. Please get this right. <laughs> Those are the extreme MAGA supporters that they've been talking about. So you got another Denver, or not, I don't know where she's from, Denver, but a representative Epps, um, and we saw Representative Hernandez, who we talked about earlier, all these pro-Palestinian people. So they've gone up into the gallery and are shouting down along with it. All right. Uh, along with. So, yeah. so I mean. Kind of like about, they did up in Wyoming. That's great. North Dakota like, or in, South Dakota. Really. Insta- but that's all fine, right? That that's if Now, if we went there and started shouting down, if we were Trump supporters, we would be arrested and put in jail for 35 years. Yeah. But if you're a pro-Hamas person, and, and I got to think, you know, one of the latest polls, this, it's interesting to me kind of fun, actually, too, watching the Democrats try to deal with this, right? Biden's poll numbers are down now. <laughs> young Americans don't like Biden anymore because and they're anti-Semitic. The young anti-Semitic Americans, right? Exactly. They don't, you know, they're like, why they support Hamas? Mm-hmm. And you kind of wonder where the heck is that coming from? I mean, Pick if up. you're Joe Biden, well, yeah, really. If well, if you're Joe Biden, you got to be like, but where did all these hateful young people come from? Oh, they love me. Well, I have no clue about. I mean, to me, you read about some of the horrific. Sex assaults. I mean, and I mean horrific those are, sex those, assaults, yes. right? That, but those, are, so those, those these, are collateral damage in, in stupid, a freedom fight. Ignorant American women representatives it's, being in support of that, 
right? Well, the squats, I mean, it's like, squats. Right. I mean, not, never mind the fact that they would be, it would happen to them if no, they went over well, there. Other than AOC, most of them would not be sexually assaulted because they, that, that the Palestinians have certain standards and, and they would not. Yeah, they would not let them. This is from Charlene. So the event was orchestrated by provocateurs to paint Trumpsters as public enemy number one false flags everywhere, not just limited to the United States. Oh, exactly. You know, it's no different in, in its own way of when you have Hamas, right? That, so what do they do? They build their whole tunnel sets and, and weapons supplies and arsenal um, supply places underneath the hospital, right? And then they then they tell the, the media, oh, they just bombed a hospital, mm-hmm. right? And then you go, oh, they just bombed a hospital. It's the same thing. It's like, you know, and the media is clearly well, going along with it. Well, I mean, it's sort of like the January 6th thing, though, right? Mm-hmm. It's like insurrection, insurrection. And now you have all this tape of all these people calmly walking through. It's like showing them, here's a tunnel. Here's a Hamas tunnel. They're like, no, you bombed a hospital. And it's like, no, <laughs> but you know, it's the same thing. You see all of this tape. You don't see any of these people saying, oh, I guess maybe it wasn't. But, you know, Liz Cheney was like, well, we never saw that tape, right? <laughs> they don't talk about that at all. Liz Cheney. How did she stand herself? <laughs> well, I don't know. Adam Kinzinger. So, so we'll have to see. Another, I'm, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but there just was so much interesting going on. And we'll get to the Argentine guy in about five minutes. One of the things that you have heard, again, sort of the false flag, Charlene, um, Media Matters, which is a company founded by David Brock, funded, I think, by George Soros, extreme very radical progressive, right? But they're kind of like the Southern Poverty Law Center. They put stuff out and the lapdog media quotes them, right? So Media Matters initially started pressuring Apple, Disney, IBM, all kinds of people to pull their ads from Twitter, which they did, or Mm -hmm. X, saying that, oh, they were putting the ads next to anti-Semitic things. Now, never mind the fact that half the Democrats anymore are anti-Semitic. So why that's bad, I don't know, right? I mean, it's like, but you're all anti-Semitic. But but anyway, put that aside for a second. Yeah, you you can't try to figure them out because they'll drive you crazy. And so they pulled all of their ads. Well, what Elon Musk, since he owns Twitter now and has can look at the algorithms, what he was able to determine was, and I think somebody else duplicated this, was that what Media Matters did, and they did this to us, they created fake accounts, and then they manipulated those accounts like bazillions of times, over and over and over and over again, um, and reposted it to come up with um, an, the appearance, and I don't totally understand all of it, so I apologize um, if the, you're like, what is she saying? But what they did is they they created fake accounts, Media Matters did, which is what they do with bots, right? And then they manipulated the post to make it appear as if anti-Semitic content was being posted and then there was an IBM next to it. Now, Elon Musk has said, I'm going to file a thermonuclear lawsuit. He hasn't done that yet. That I, I hope he does. Yeah. I guess he's calling his lawyer. He's like, first thing Monday morning, the lawyer's like, Elon, I can't do it that quick, you know? Sandra says, didn't Media Matters start in Denver? Brittany Peterson's husband, no. Um, But he's involved, yeah. No, Brittany Peterson's husband. uh, Ian Silveri. Silveri. Ian Silveri um, started Media Matters in Colorado. So he started a sub-branch here in Colorado, but I think he's no longer around, but. Um, well, well, it's, it's all merged to progress now. No, there was a Media Matters Colorado, but it's mm-hmm. it's. I mean, it's they're saying they portray themselves as news organizations, but they're not. Um, and well, what's a news organization? These well, days? that's a good point. But I think fortunately, most people um, 
at least most Republicans, the other day, in fact, we had somebody call and say, oh, the media matters. People are calling me and we're like, don't talk to them. They're just a bunch of idiots, right? And 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 they're all they're going to do is they're going to put out whatever they want. But here, though, it, this, I think, and now they've messed with Elon Musk, right? I mean, to-, to Well, he has and the capacity can, to do something about right, it. Right, and he has the capacity to prove that they did it, mm. right? And to prove that it's not true. And then they put that out. So that'll be interesting to see. And then, so finally, this, do you know more about the president of, the new president of Argentina? Um, but this is sort of shocking everybody, sort of a Trumpian kind of thing. Well, he's he's far more Trump than Trump. Um, and he's got, he, 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 he got into politics two years ago, <laughs> two years ago. Uh, basically, he, he'd been a talking head on some Argentine podcast no, uh, uh, television as an economist. Uh, and then he just zoomed off. Um, he, he is he is a uh, he was a soccer goalie um, and a pretty good player. Apparently, he also um, played in a rock band and he's kind of, you know, his hair is all over the place. Um but he's he's he said that he's going to just change everything in Argentina, and there's no template for that. You know, the most of the time, when when huge state industries go private, um, it's you know seeds. That's how you get oligarchs in Russia and Ukraine. Um, so, but he just wants to eliminate them. He doesn't want to seize them. Well, I'm going to play well for the natural gas and oil and some others. You don't eliminate them, but you do put them back into into private hands. And how to do that is going to be an interesting one. But you know, you also- he's got the right. Well, this and this is why I'm going to play a videotape. And again, I'll be like the interpreter here. Thank oh, God, thank you got Julie here. Yeah, not that I speak. I, I can read the I can read the captions underneath for the people who aren't watching. If Doing we could please play, yeah, really, if we could please play the Argentina soundbite. This is a President Malay. So what he's saying, he's pulling all these labels. It's Ministry of Culture, out. Ministry of Environment and Sustainable Development, out. Ministry of Women, Gender, and Diversity, out. (laughs) Even if you resist, he says. Ministry of Science, Technology, and Innovation, out. Out. Ministry of Education, indoctrination, he says, out. Transportation, out. He just goes down and he's like, Ripping him off a, of a board. The thievery of politics is over. Long live Dan Liberty. All right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, in a way, that's what they're freaking out because Trump's talked about doing that too, right? Well, Reagan talked about getting rid of the Department of Education. And, of course, he had zero success as Tom Tancredo worked in the Department of Education <laughs> trying to get it to uh, go away. And, of course, never could. Um, but it's it's... If he can do one tenth of what he's promising to do, and of course he does have a parliament, as as a prior guest uh, indicated, I can just call it Congress, uh, and his party only has about ten percent of the seats. But if it if it uh, goes with the uh, uh, center right one who supported him in the election at the end, um, they'd have over fifty percent. So he he probably can do a lot of the things he wants to do, and and he's not going to. Not going to do a George Bush or or he's not even going to do a Ronald Reagan. I mean, he's really going to try to get get things done. And the fact that forty percent of people in in Argentina live in poverty, uh, and you know the ninety seven point six of the percent of the population is European and some with mixed uh, Indian and European, um, and so it's got a lot of Italians, Spanish, Germans, Irish. Um, and it's pretty educated one. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it was economically ahead of 
Canada uh, in in the late 1930s. Um, and then Juan Perón took over and socialism took over and it's really that worked effective. out well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, held Argentina for 60, 70 years and it's, and it's thing. And well, so um, it's uh, boom. I think, I think as Kenneth Repose, our guest said at the beginning though, what we're seeing there and not just in Argentina, you that hence Trump is up like 67% over all of the other Republican candidates. He beats anymore. One of the, all of the polls are now starting to show he beats both Biden and Kamala Harris head to head, you know, in the race. There is, I think this general, um, which is why there's reason for hope, guys. Um, you know, people despise the people in power. They get anymore that the people in power are screwing us over, um, are taking away things that matter to us. I, like Charlene is saying, you know, they hate Elon Musk because he allows free speech. And if you're trying to destroy a culture and a nation, you know, you can't have free speech, for God's sakes. People might mention it. That That is what's going on. He's going to have a lot of enemies. He doesn't yeah. like the Russian, uh, Russia invasion of Ukraine. He won't do business with China or Brazil, or other socialist communist countries. Biden's people certainly don't like him. Yep. Uh, the world media hates him. Um, but it's... it's but, again, but hello, the voters liked him. Go figure. Go figure. Something's and you can't find him on voter apathy because in Argentina... <laughs> They mandate your vote or they get you the big fine. So. Just from Sandra, Sandra, you're right. I think they did paper ballots also. They did, Sandra. They had paper ballots and they managed to get them all counted. Um, from Also from Sandra, like many countries, government got too big, needs to be reduced significantly. Go Argentina and more countries, including the U.S., need to follow. Well, we'll see. I mean, I think that's happening and we'll have to see how much here since we don't have paper ballots um, that could do. But I, I think... I think Kenneth was, right. Kenneth was right when he just talked about the fact that that people are waking up all over the world and they despise the elites and the the globalists and the people in power and they're throwing them out when they can. Now they're not going to go quietly. They're not going to go quietly. But hey, it's a start, right? Well, uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch Argentina. See see how much he can get accomplished because if you can just get rid of a couple of those ministries. <laughs> yeah. Then at the women's gender and diversity, we could we could go yeah, there. They're, there. They're hey, that is going to wrap it up for us on this Wednesday. And a sort of a programming note: we're going to be taking um, not Wednesday for this Monday. We're going to be taking Wednesday off. We'll be back Friday though. Um, so want us, and we'll just replay one of our favorite shows. Um, so thank you to Thomas. We are so thankful to all of you guys too. Yes, yes. I, I cannot say enough about that. So thank you, everybody. I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday. Get all you can. That's right. <laughs> and we'll see you later. Have Take happy care. Thanksgiving, everybody. Bye-bye.